Oh. My. Welcome to Christ in the Chaos, where a pastor's kid and a kid's pastor share their messy attempt at raising a Christ-centered family. We may not know what we're doing, but we are right in the thick of it. And this is how we're finding Christ in the Chaos. Welcome to Christ in the Chaos. I am Kathleen. And I'm Joel. Who is my husband, (laughs) and I am the wife. (laughs) And, oh gosh, we really- My wife specifically, not just the <laughs> wife. Um, today we are starting a, our first podcast series ever on Faith Basics, and we are starting with one about God and who God is and kind of on a very, very basic level, how, how God is. And we'll get some parameters around that before we get started. But before, before we get started, let's check in. This is our weekly family check-in. It's an excuse to check in with your family. I'm going to check in with mine. How are you doing? I am doing very well. I've noticed that a lot of my, when I am trying to decide what the first, first reaction is, like good, fine, bad, sad, that the first thing I look to is um, whether I am ahead or behind at work. (laughs) Um, and I am not necessarily ahead at work, but I am very organized at work. I have a very good sense of what I need to do between now and June. Um, and I am trudging forward on that each week. And, um, so I'm feeling good about work. Um, I had a workshop, I think I'm going to call it a workshop on Saturday that was amazing. Um, that turned me into a blubbering idiot and. I, I mean, other people cried, I'm sure, but I cried the hardest. And it's not a competition. No, I know. Trust me. It, it's very hard to be the person that cries all the time, but I have always been that person since you I was a little easily, kid. Yeah. You know, I, it's just, and it was funny because our pastor actually brought up the fact that I cry all the time with, with my permission on Tuesday. And it was very freeing for me because I was like, okay, everybody knows this is just how I am now. So <laughs> it's a little bit more okay. But I still had people treating me on Sunday like I was a little fragile. And I'm like, no, 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 that's just that's just my normal state. <laughs> that's just how I am. Well, and you got to spend the weekend with your in-laws, which is always fun. Yeah, um, that was something. Um, no, I, we, were jo- we were talking about it. Um, I've had a hard time over the last, I'm going to say, almost six years. Um, spending time with my in-laws, not because of anything that they have done or been, but because I am very, I've been very tired. And when you are trying to... What happened almost six years ago that would make you so tired? <laughs> uh, when you are trying to adjust to the lifestyle and temperaments of other people being in your space for a few days, and you're really, really tired, it's really, really hard. Um, but I have been less tired over the last year and especially in the last six months as I've backed off my extra five hours of work and the kids are getting a little older and a little bit easier. And as a result, I have been able to enjoy your parents more and be less of a raging mean person while they are here. It was a lot of fun. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I had a fun weekend with my parents, although I did get motion sick on a Sad little ride. I just, <laughs> I ate some bad popcorn or something. 
Because we went on I this. I ate some bad popcorn. I don't know. That's all I had to eat. I ate popcorn. Maybe that's the problem. And then we went on this ride. I went on with Levi. That was an airplane ride, like the Dumbo ride where you can go up and down. It just goes in a circle. Yeah. But he didn't want to go up and down. He just wanted to go around. So we stayed down. It wasn't even like we we're going up and down. Yeah. And I got off it and I was like, nope. Mm-mm. And um, lost my popcorn. Ugh. I know. It was bad. And then I felt great. But no, I think that <laughs> I didn't the, go on any other rides. The thing um, about your parents, even though your parents are very helpful and they take the kids so that we can kind of have rest and is it just they're not a restful people. No one has accused my family of being restful, <laughs> but we had a lot of fun. Yes. Yes, we had fun. No one rested. Yeah, we're just tired, but doing well. So getting to today's topic, we are actually doing the first of a five part series. And if I'm being really honest, where this came from is that I am preparing a five part series for our kids (laughs) during Lent. We're doing, uh, you know, the Tuesday night um, Lent. Lent stuff. And as I was going through my kids ministry, I realized that like we do a really good job um, of like engaging with the Bible every week and and learning about the character of God and proclaiming the good news to the kids every week and and having them um, encouraging them to live their faith out at home. But we haven't done a very intentional or good job doing faith basics, the the basics of theology that they should be plugging all of this into. Christianity 101. Christianity 101. And I felt like it should have been the sort of thing that I could just churn out a curriculum for because it's like, well, I know it. Or or even if the, the hard part would have been not coming up with the theology itself, but um, coming up with how to convey it to children. But I have spent kind of an obscene amount of time researching the theology to make sure that it is as clean as it can be in the very depths of my being. So that I can express it to the kids in a way that is clear and correct. Um, whenever I do anything with the kids, I always way over research so that when I present it to the kids, it's clear and age appropriate, but as true to the Bible as it can be. And so the five areas that we're going through during Lent and that I've been doing all this work and research for are on God, the Bible, the church, the sacraments. And salvation. The reason I thought it would be good for this podcast is as I was researching, I was feeling a little embarrassed by the things that I didn't really have a great grasp (laughs) on. And I am guessing I am not the only person who does and has felt that way. Um, So this is kind of like your secret way of making sure that what you know of and think about God or the framework that you're putting everything in is theologically sound. Um, or is or like learning what it is without having to ask your pastor or your friend and sound dumb. I wouldn't think you were dumb if you asked me. I really wouldn't. Um, but this is your way to avoid that awkwardness for yourself. And if you're not religious necessarily, this might be a good opportunity to learn a lot about what it is that Christianity actually teaches and what it is Christianity actually believes. Because there's a lot of information going around that isn't terribly accurate. And if you didn't, don't grow up in it, don't spend a lot of time in it. This might be something new for you. Maybe you'll learn something interesting. Have fun, learn, laugh, cry. <laughs> or, or just listen. Or yeah, or just listen and maybe learn something small. 
Joel pointed out to me that it is important that we clarify. When we say we're going to talk about who God is, we specify which God we're talking about to avoid confusion. Well, obviously, we are Christian. We happen to be ELCA Lutheran. Which means we're American Protestant Christians. And But the, I will say when we get particularly to the sacraments and particularly to baptism, and we'll talk more about that at the time, um, there are theological differences between Lutherans and a lot of other beautiful-hearted, kingdom-minded Christian people. And so I think we're going to try to explain what both believe, because um, mm-hmm. I don't think they're there's no badness in it. And quite frankly, if you're pursuing Jesus, I don't care if you do it with us or with the Lutherans or the Methodists or the Baptists or in a non-denominational church or in a Catholic church. Um, If you're following Jesus, you're good. So let's start with the easy question. Explain God. How many gods are there? Three, one, two? 17,000. That was not an option. (laughs) The answer is one. We learn, even before I was a Christian, I learned in school that Christianity was a monotheistic religion. And then when you become a Christian, it actually gets very confusing. We believe in a uh, triune God where the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. And the only reason I bring up this very obvious first question is it's one of the the most common questions that kids get wrong when asked about their own theology. I will go over um, this concept of them, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I will say there is one God made of three persons called the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then I will ask them, how many gods are there? And they'll go, three! I think there's a language issue where we tend to refer to them as God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit instead of God the Father, God the Jesus, God the Holy Spirit, even though that's what they are. But it's a little bit like a movie franchise where the first one is Star Wars, even though it's not. It's Star Wars A New Hope. and But you have Star Wars. Is that what it's like? That's what it's like linguistically, oh, and it can cause confusion. Yeah, I get that. So we're here to clear that up. Clear and it up, Kathleen. One of the things I have trouble with the kids also that I'll, they'll always be like, I'll say, and who... Um, died on the cross for our sins and they'll say god and i'm like yes but i want you to say jesus (laughs) but i'm like and so i always say yes and who is god that died on the cross to like get them to say the right thing um and it's very hard it it is very hard because it is very hard um they are not missing something They are not being dumb. You are not missing something. Um, The idea that there is one God made of three distinct beings. That are all one being. It's. Here's what here's what I'm going to tell you to do as an adult. Better than I could explain it in a podcast. Um, We've recommended them before, but the Bible Project has a very good video on this. For those of you who would like to look it up, you just go Google the Bible Project God. Um, it's the first video that shows up. It's black and there's kind of like a purple dot in the middle. And they do a very good job of explaining this concept of this one God made of three distinct beings and how God is um, better than we could ever do in this podcast. But 
since many of you will not go to that link and look it up, um, the one thing that, that visually was so fascinating to me is they showed a single two-dimensional plane and said, like, imagine if you can only see in two dimensions, but God is a being that is in three dimensions. And then they created this kind of complex shape. And sometimes when the shape was turning on the plane, you could see only one little lump of the shape. And sometimes you could see two lumps of the shape. And sometimes you could see all three lumps of the shape. And you realize that there was just this one part of the shape on a two-dimensional plane. But because of your perception, you could only see them as distinct beings. And what it was really trying to convey was the idea that this triune God, this one God who is three persons, is something that we don't have the framework or the perspective to understand fully because we are not God. And mm-hmm. it's a beautiful visual. I highly recommend you go look at it. And there's so much more in that video that's so fascinating as well. Makes sense. I mean, it doesn't make sense. No, it- but your explanation is making as much sense of a thing that just doesn't make sense to my tiny brain as you possibly could. The fancy word we use to describe this three-part, three-person God is the Trinity. Can I tell you, it's always bothered me that we call it three persons. And then what I really struggle with is when I'm describing it to the kids, because I have just been messing with this language over and over again. It's like, we have one God. And then is it right to say, made up of three persons? And then when we use the word person, what does that do to a kid? It draws the visual of a human being, um, which Jesus incarnate was a human being, but the Father is not human and the Holy Spirit is not human, except for that it lives in human. And it's just like, can't we come up with a better way to describe this? It's been 2,000 years. Probably not. (laughs) Can we do a better job of describing the indescribable? Wrong with you people. One of the places that we look to to kind of figure out who each being is, is the Apostles' Creed, which does gives you the, uh, you know, I believe in God, the Father, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. And then it talks about his birth and death and resurrection and the, and the salvation that that brings. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And that's all it says about the Holy Spirit. I actually think the Apostles' Creed does a terrible job of encompassing what we believe about God because it, it gives attributes to specific persons of God that may be connected with those persons, but are not exclusive to those persons. Um, for example, the Father created the earth, but the Holy Spirit was part of that creation and Jesus was part of that creation. And it's, a, it's not even enough to say it was part of that creation. If you looked at Colossians 1, 15 through 18, it says he, talking about Jesus at this point, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. I don't think the creed is supposed to be a theological document that explains the Trinity or that is complicated. I think it is just a statement of belief yeah. that this is what our religion believes. These are this the list of things we believe. If you want to be part of our group, this is what we believe. I get it. So we have it all. But when you say the father creator of heaven and the earth, and then they say son 
who was born of the Virgin Mary, you tell the story of Jesus incarnate and don't tell the full story of Jesus and his that he is masterful in creation and through the history until the end that you are you're doing Jesus dirty in in the creed is what you're doing. And then the Holy Spirit is it's like the power behind it. I mean, I think the Holy Spirit gets the worst. I mean, especially in the creed, right? Because we say God, the father, creator of heaven and earth. And then we give the whole story of Jesus incarnate. And then you're like, I also believe in the Holy Spirit. And, and then you move on. Again, the Holy Spirit is the most complicated one. It's the hardest to describe. And it's not, the creed isn't there to describe what is the Spirit? How do you feel the Spirit? How do you interact with the Spirit? What does it mean I to know. be a triune God? I it's know. just, look, we believe in this thing. It's the Holy Spirit. You want to join the party? This is what we believe, just so you know. So you're probably wondering to yourself how these three beings work. I want you to imagine yourself three different colors of Play-Doh and they are distinct pieces of Play-Doh, but when you smash them all together, they become a ball, not mix them all together. (laughs) This is the, there are, if you Google it, hundreds of different ways of explaining the Trinity. And here's the truth. None of them are good. It's trying to explain the The unexplainable. Yeah. It's an infinite being interacting with finite ideas. Regardless, we said that we would help people understand. So we're going to try. So here's what we know. There is one God. That God is made of three distinct beings, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And here's what you can know about them, that they are perfectly unified in purpose. They are working towards the same end in perfect unity at all times. And let's let that sink in because now I'm going to do the thing the Apostles Creed does that I don't like, which is give them all attributes that are specific to them, which I don't actually believe are specific to them. (laughs) But when we talk about the Father, and this is almost more in the Christian culture, we tend to give him the credit for creation, even though Colossians says that everything was done through Jesus and for Jesus. Um, but, but also the spirit was there. Because but the spirit was there the hovering over the oceans. Um, so they're all there. They're all working together. But are, we attribute creation a lot and provision and that to the father. God, the creator. Well, God is not the father. They're all God. <laughs> we, so this is a, something we well, brought up. Sometimes God, the father is called God, the creator. That's just it God. It gets more complicated. No, okay, so let's let's talk about that language issue. Something that comes up a lot with the kids, and I will admit, not a lot with the just with the kids, is that I refer to them as God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and that basically is a signal to the kids and to anybody that I'm talking to that I do not believe that the Holy Spirit is God or that Jesus is God, and that is not what I mean to do. I'm just messing up the language. Mm-hmm. So I try to be very careful about ca- talking about the Father and somebody who talks a whole lot about the father is Jesus because we're doing this kind of mixy mashy thing and saying that there are three distinct beings and it's like, well, maybe God is just Jesus and there's not, but Jesus like repeatedly and over and over again refers to his father and the father that is there. And so we know that this father is distinct from Jesus but we also know that Jesus is God and that the Father is God, and so that they are not distinct. It stopped making sense again. Okay, but but here's the deal: um, the Father is its own 
thing. It is its own distinct being, but it's in perfect unity with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Um, And the Father is something that creates and provides. And what we know about the Father from Jesus is that the Father loves, um, that God loves and that God is love. And um, that is when I think of the Father and I'm trying to describe um, that part of God to kids, I, that's fatherly, heavenly, your, your heavenly father is the person that loves you perfectly. It's the person of God that has perfect love for you. Now, all of the persons of God have perfect love for you, but it's the visual that helps kids understand that because they understand how a father loves. The second, um, person of the Trinity that we kind of in order of how we always say it (laughs) We always say the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or I believe in God the Father, and then you go to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Jesus always comes second. And here is like the important blaring red light thing that I would like people to take home is that Jesus did not come into being when he became a human, that Jesus was there from before creation, and he will be there until the very, 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 very end. And um, we do we do Jesus dirty. When we uh, make it seem like he came into being as a baby on Christmas. Yeah, it feels like he came into being as a baby on Christmas because that's the first time we can see him with our eyeballs. Yeah, (laughs) that's the first time he physically appears on Earth as a human. And so it's imagining an infinite thing with a finite language. Again, that is getting difficult. Where do you know of a specific place where Jesus, not in a metaphorical way, but in a physical, let's say visible, visible, I'm not going to say physical because I don't know what it was actually like, but in a visible way manifests himself uh, in the Old Testament. Do you know? No, I don't know what you're talking about. So in the uh, Daniel story. Oh, you know, the Abednego guy, his, his friends are in the fiery pit and the king looks down into the fiery pit and sees the three in there with a fourth man who is described as the son of man, which was one of Jesus's favorite ways of describing himself. Um, so it's not real clear whether like the, the being down there looked like the incarnate Jesus, like if they would have the same face or the same body, but that son of man is referred to in the Old Testament. Um, and then of course the whole old Testament is pointing towards the coming of the savior of, of, of God coming to earth and saving us. And he exists all along and is, and becomes a human and dies and and is resurrected. Um, but he's been there all along and we are going to do a whole episode on salvation. So I'm not going to go crazy into what we believe about, um, Jesus's life on earth and what it did. But here's the very Reader's Digest version. Jesus came into the world as a baby born of the Virgin Mary, conceived of the Holy Spirit, lived a perfect sinless life, and was crucified, uh, actually died, uh, was buried in the tomb, rose again, defeated sin and death because he lived a perfect life and took all of our sins on him. And when he died, those sins died. When he was resurrected, he defeated death. And with him, we have eternal life. Um, We'll go way deeper into that. But, but just to give Jesus his due in this episode, um, that is what we believe about the incarnate Jesus. He will come again to lo- to uh, li- judge the living and the dead, and he will be king um, over the new heaven and the new earth. Um, so, I mean, 
Jesus is no small part of this. He's not like the guy that lived 2,000 years ago and is done. If I were going to give a gold star to one of the persons of God, it would be Jesus. Sorry, Does Father feel and like Holy he Spirit. Did the hard part. Yeah, okay. And you know what it is? That is, um, that is human empathy um, because Jesus, well, that's another important fact. When Jesus came um, as a baby, Jesus was at the same time fully human and fully God. He was not God disguised as a human. He was not a human with a special connection to God. He was fully God and fully human that entire time. You lost me again. <laughs> well, I don't know how to explain that, but I know that I'm supposed that, that that is correct. Um, and so I've got hopefully another couple of uh, thirds of life to figure it out. That was what I was thinking about right there. Okay. The third uh, person of God is the Holy Spirit, and you, maybe you can tell I'm just not a. I am not at a stage in my life where I'm a big father person, which I'm sure. I wonder if as you go through life, each person of God takes a preeminence in different areas. Almost like God is the same now and always, but as you change and grow, you experience him differently and see him differently as he moves through the two-dimensional shape that is your life. Yes. So smart, Joel. That's why I keep you around. Repeating back to you the things you just said. (laughs) Well, that's smart just to know that that's the right thing to do. The third person of God, the third part of that triune God, the third part of that Trinity is the Holy Spirit. And like the other ones, I wanted to start with when the Holy Spirit came came to be. And it was that God has always been God and God has always been composed the same way. God is not changing. Um, and that means that the Spirit has also been along since the beginning. Um, in fact, if you look in Genesis 1, 2, uh, the earth was without form and void and the earth was, no, I'm not going to sing it, um, without form <laughs> and you. void and darkness all over the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. That's Genesis. That's like right at the beginning. And so the, the spirit is there. The next question is, how do we categorize the spirit? Or when, when does the spirit get its Jesus as a baby moment? The spirit of God is referred to all throughout the Old Testament, but we tend to focus on the Holy Spirit as given to us on Pentecost after the ascension of Jesus. Jesus says, I'm going to send you a helper when I go back to be with the father and it's going to rock. And then the disciples are all up in a room praying in the dark and freaking out and missing Jesus. And all of a sudden flames show up over their head. A wind comes. They start speaking in different languages, spreading the good news of Jesus all over. That Holy Spirit guides them into a life, into God's will and it's the source of power that we are able to achieve as Christians in performing God's will. And it lives in us and it guides us and it inspires us and it empowers us. And another one that I learned in preparation is that it marks us, um, which came up in my studying for planning this curriculum, um, but also came up, I just studied Acts. And again and again in Acts, they were trying to kind of decide who got to be a part of the club. And they weren't sure if it was going to be just the Jews or if they were going to really let the Gentiles fully into Christianity. And the big marker was they were like, well, they've got the Holy Spirit in them. And so we can't deny them that or we can't deny that God has included them. So it's it's this power in us, but it's also a way of recognizing one another. 
And so I thought that was an interesting way of looking at it and something that mm-hmm. I passively picked up on while studying Acts, but did not really understand. It's something that's come up a lot since I've started asking for the Holy Spirit. I talk to like my own mentor and I'll be like, there is just something about this person that I feel like even though we have nothing in common, even though we don't agree on things, there is just this strong feeling. And she goes, yeah, that's the spirit in you recognizing the spirit in them. And so I get the marker thing because when you have actively pursued and asked for the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden you can see the other people who have a lot of it as well. That's what God is. But what is God like? God is many things, and you can read through the whole Bible, and he will reveal himself to you more and more and more and more. But the three things I'm focusing on with the kids for this series is that God is all-powerful, God is holy, and that God is love. I actually think all-powerful is very easy to understand. (laughs) It's not. Like, well, everything comes from God. Everything you touch and have and thought and not... I mean, yeah, you're right. That's really easy to understand. A being that is in everything is all things and is one thing, and but also three things. Super easy. No, I mean, but but kids. Let me put it this way: kids get all powerful, and they don't ask too many questions about it. Yeah. Um, they and have parents. Their parents are all powerful. I mean, their parents tell them what to do. They think their parents can do anything. But God's power does not diminish when you turn eleven. Um, so it's a little different. Uh, yeah. God is holy. I think this is one where we stumble on how to describe what holy is. And I heard a really good description and I'm not sure where I got it from. It might be from the small catechism, which is, I did that study for a lot more for the Bible, (laughs) but anyway, God is perfectly good and he always does the right thing. It's like that idea, you know, with that's the problem when you're, when you're 11 and you're, you're getting old enough and some, some of us it's, it's seven and some of us it's 13 or 15 or whatever. But all of a sudden you realize that your parents are not perfectly good and they are not always doing the right thing. And then they become not all powerful over you anymore Mm -hmm. because you're getting bigger. Um, But you don't have to sit there and be like, oh, is God good? Is God bad? Is he doing this idea of him being holy? Isn't like a negative thing like, oh, it's well, God would never um, say something bad about someone else or God would never use a curse word. It's that God is always making the right choice. Um, God is being perfectly good. And if you look at like Jesus when he was incarnate and healed on the Sabbath, that is not perfect rule following, but I don't have to worry about it because I know that God is holy so that when he healed on the Sabbath, it was the right mm-hmm. thing. That is what we believe or about that God. time he beat up a bunch of bankers and broke their tables. He did not beat them up. He got really mad. And whipped them out of the temple. <laughs> okay. But that's the thing. When we talk about righteous anger, was that the right thing? Was that sinful? No, it wasn't sinful because God is holy and we believe that God, everything that God does is the right thing. Um, and then the fun one and the good one and the one that makes us feel warm and fuzzy inside is that God is love. He made us because he loves us. He sacrificed himself and his son depending on how you look at how that all comes together um, because he loves us. And today he wants to have a relationship with us. Um, He wiped away our sins with Jesus. He gave us the Holy spirit. Jesus connects us 
to the Father through his intercession, and he wants us to come to him with every little thing because he just really loves us and he is he is what love is. This one I think combines all three aspects of God in an interesting way in that love is something God created. It is something God experienced and showed as Jesus and that it is something he is. When we say God is love, we don't mean God loves us a lot. We mean God is love every time you love. That's showing an aspect of God, whether you believe or not, when you love, that's reflecting. And so love, it's an, it gives you something to wrap your head around, I guess, because I think we can all feel like we understand love of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Creator, the Incarnate, and, and the fire coming together in, in a concept that exists in three planes. I love what you're saying, but I have to correct you that the incarnate Jesus is not the full son. And that was one of the things I wanted to like get in our brains that we don't just have to think about baby Jesus and adult Jesus, that Jesus from the beginning and Jesus until the end is the son. Um, yeah, you lost me again. <laughs> it's confusing. It is confusing. Um, I think that one some one way of summing up is that in the beginning they were all there and they were all together and in the end they were all there and they will all be together and they have been working in perfect unity as a triune god since the start. You ever wonder if there's other aspects of god up there? Now it's time to move on to the third aspect of this podcast. So that came up. So today, so Dane always has to hang at Kids Church a lot longer than um, the other kids because Joel is helping and my assistant was gone today. So it was even a longer day for usual, but he always is doing his art. Um, Dane is nothing if not a prolific creator of art. Like we are responsible for global warming with the amount of like paper that we waste in our home. And um, today he made what he calls Jesus. No. And he said, no, mommy, not like Jesus. And no. Jesus, like, you know, in your mind. Um, and I was like, OK. And so he made me all of these pages of things that were truths about God. And it was actually pretty sweet. One was like a picture of Jesus with lots of hearts and a kid with some hearts. And basically like Jesus loves us more than we could ever love him. And I'm like, that's a sweet, good sound thought. He drew a picture of Noah's Ark and Mount Ararat, which he did not know the name of. I don't make it, want to make it sound like he did. And then he drew, well, he had stickers of Jesus. And then he drew a little speech bubble next to Jesus. And the speech level bubble said, I killed myself. <laughs> and I thought, huh. And so he explained it a little further and was like, yeah, Jesus is God and God sent his son to die. So, so Jesus killed himself to save us. And I thought, I appreciate the theology underlying it, but I don't think that it's correct necessarily to say <laughs> that. No, I don't think it's cor correct to say that Jesus killed himself. <laughs> I was that we killed Jesus and that 
he willingly gave himself up fine, but um, it was the most. I. <laughs> it's very logical. Um, so it's important to have these to have a solid understanding of theology, so that when your kid comes to you with a Jesus picture of a speech bubble that says that Jesus killed himself, you can explain to him why maybe next time you would write something else in the speech bubble. And with that, Joel, pray us out. Dear God, help us see you. Help us see you in all of your forms and in all of the ways you come into our lives. Help us be open and willing to accept the various aspects of you and the fact that we probably will never understand them no matter how hard we try, but help us be comfortable with our understanding and help us have a good understanding that will bring others to you and help them see you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks for listening. Please take a second to rate and subscribe to this podcast. It helps others to find us and to be hashtag blessed by the discussions that we have here. If you want to contact us, you can reach us on Instagram at Christ in the Chaos, or you can email us at Christ in the Chaos Pod at gmail.com. Until next week, we hope you have a peaceful week, but even if you don't, remember that you can find us and Jesus waiting for you in the chaos. <laughs>